Welcome to the Disney Parks Podcast with your hosts, Tony Castlenova from DisneyByTheNumbers.com and Parkhopper John from WDWParkhoppers.com. Keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the podcast at all times and get ready for the Disney Parks Podcast. Today's podcast is sponsored by Dreams by Design Travel. Dreams by Design wants your vacation to be a happy adventure where families can have fun together. They believe that a magical vacation begins with careful planning, and that is exactly what you will receive with this authorized Disney vacation planner. Remember, services are free, and make sure to tell your travel planner that the Disney Parks podcast sent you. So visit dreamsbydesigntravel.com today. And now, the Disney Parks Podcast infotainment segment. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome. We are so grateful for you to join us tonight. We have an amazing show. We've got two, uh, I call them pillars of the Walt Disney World community, but they're their reach goes far beyond just Walt Disney World. Jim Hill is a writer, blogger, and theme park historian, and he will be the first to tell you about all of the backroom deals and corporate gossip that happens inside the Walt Disney Company. And he'll be joined by Len Testa, who co-authors the unofficial guide series of travel books focusing on theme parks as well as on touringplans.com. Now, you can hear both of these gentlemen on the Disney Dish Podcast. We are so privileged to have them. Thank you for being here, Jim and Len. Uh, thank you. I, uh, you know, normally, Len gets top billing. I, you know, I, I think I, I checked the contract. It, you know, it, it, it's, it's Tesla goes first. But, uh, <laughs> we went out of the 20 pillars. You noticed, though, Jim, that he called us pillars of the community. I think that was John's way of telling us that we're round. Yes, well, uh, uh, you've got nothing on me, guys. No, <laughs> and I went alphabetical, so you know. Oh, you know, okay. So. All right, we'll go that way. So, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So we'd like to ask everybody, and I don't know who wants to go first, but we'd like to ask everybody how their journey with Disney began. Like, how how did you get fascinated with, uh, you know, Disney and the Disney community, and writing and blogging and historian and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you first, Len. Uh, all right. So uh, back in the uh, 1970s, early 1970s, when it was required by law that everyone's grandparents moved to Florida, my grandparents moved to Florida from Ohio. So they moved in 72. And I think in 74, uh, they, uh, my twin sister and I went down to spend the summer with my grandparents, and they took us to Disney World the first time. And I remember only a few things from that. Uh, trip because I was very young. One of them was um, having my uh, uh, Italian grandmother screaming like she was going to die on the astral orbiters. Like uh, she was literally terrified of us going on the astral orbiters. But the other thing was um, uh, going on Pirates of the Caribbean and going through the queue and realizing that somebody had actually made electrical lights that flickered like candles. And I thought that was super impressive. Even though it was any other time, I thought, well, if, you know, if they've gone to all this trouble you know, for lights, 
what about the rest of the place? And I was, uh, I was just amazed by all of it. And uh, eventually my, uh, my family moved down to Florida to meet with my grandparents. We ended up going to Walt Disney World all the time. Uh, and that was how it all uh, started. Wow. And my side of the fence, I mean, I, I'm old. I mean, literally, I'm an old person. So, you know, I I watched, you know, the original Wonderful World of Color with Walt Disney. And, you know, every Sunday night, in fact, it was like a threat that my parents held over my head that, did you get your homework done? Are your clothes ready for school? If not, you know, no Wonderful World of Color. Right. And the episodes that fascinated me, you know, I mean, well, don't get me wrong. I'm a big Humphrey the Bear fan. When he showed up, that was cool. But it was the um, the behind the scene one, the, you know, the the Imagineering ones where they showed you, you know, a, a, you know small world and primeval world going into the New York World's Fair or, uh, you know, working on Lincoln. And it's like, this is cool. And. Uh, literally, it started there. Um, though, actually, I, to be honest, I, I an almost better story is how Len and I sort of got together. Oh, yeah. Let's hear that. Oh, well, what was it? That was, what was it? Mega Mouse Mead? What was it? 2003? <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a great story. This is me stalking Jim. Go ahead. <laughs> well, no. I mean, it, as I recall it, you know, that what is it? We would, it was that the, the Dolphin and the Swan, wasn't it? They had a, uh, what is it, that, that cabana room where we were all supposed to meet up. You know, it was this event where they invited all of these bloggers and all yeah. of these web personalities. And uh, and at one point, somebody decided that they wanted to get a photo of all of us. And, uh, you know, Len and I have sort of the same instinct. That is, when they began grouping us together, we drifted to the back and started making fun of everybody. And that was, the, again, the, the, the fact that, geez, you know, that you aren't taking this seriously either. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, somebody who has a, the, the same sense of humor and the same interest in Disney crud. And that's kind of how it all got started. And then I remember you were giving a tour at the Animal Kingdom one time and to a group of people back when Disney wasn't so concerned about, this sort of thing. And I sort of got in the group and started making smart ass comments. And then eventually you're like, Oh, you're Lentesta. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. There we go. So. Oh, Lens, Lens joined us. <laughs> there we go. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we just, we, we just really kind of backed into this, uh, yeah. you know, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I do enjoy listening to your podcast because it, it's, it's like just the, the right amount of Disney uh, you know, sometimes the podcasts can go very long, and yours is like the perfect amount. You know. Thank you. Yeah. We tried hard to to sort of cut it down to uh, you know, to what it is. We think like the thirty minutes ish, more in there. Yeah. Maybe slightly less, but yeah, that's uh, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. And let, let, let's not forget Aaron Adams, our wonderful producer, who you know weighs in with a machete. You know, again, the, the the two and three hours that Len and I record get back to the thirty minutes that are almost listenable. Right. So yeah, God, God bless him. Aaron, Aaron Adams has makes us sound way better than we do because when I go back and I uh, I listen to the shows, I I remember how we recorded it, and then I listen to how good it is when we when it turned out. I'm like. I, you know, and, and, and for the first like five minutes, I'm listening. I'm like, yeah, you know, Jim and I are really good. And then I realize like all the stuff that's not being said. I'm like, Aaron's really good. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Good. Well, yeah, that's the battle living through technology. I always say it is. God bless him. Yeah, we we was compared notes, and I think we said like 
for every minute that the show records, it takes three minutes to edit. Yeah. So Aaron's listening to the show three times as much as anyone else. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, right. and how uh, how he's not on medication, I don't know. Well, I was about to say, you know, every so often we have to coach him in off the ledge. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be okay. We'll get better. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> Medical marijuana will be legal in Indiana soon. I tell you, I'm telling you, Aaron. <laughs> how long have you guys been doing that podcast together? Oh, jeez. Oh, so we, I think the first one we recorded, we were actually in the Magic Kingdom, was 2012. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and just to see if it would work. So we walked around the Magic Kingdom sort of like talking about the history of the parks and you know, maybe what was like coming up. Because I think at the time, like New Fantasyland was just getting ready to happen. And we did that. We did all four parks. And then we walked around the resorts. And those are the first shows we, we put on iTunes. And people loved them. Yeah. In fact, I think to this day, I think the walking around the parks episodes are the most are the most popular of any of our episodes. Mm-hmm. And then we, um, the, we did a we did a show, a live show. Our first live show together was the 1964 World's Fair that we did in Flushing, uh, Flushing Meadows, New York. And that was crazy because we had no idea that um, if anyone would actually show up to this thing and it sold out. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. But we. I think we worked for like two weeks on that script. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the way, we, the way we worked on it was Jim did Jim did two weeks of work and I did two weeks of work and we didn't tell each other what we were doing, <laughs> and then brought it together, and it worked really well. I mean, there, it it sounds really good. Like the the research on it was incredible. The stuff that we've uh, uh, we came up with, uh, some of it I, I had never I'd never heard of before. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And then we've done the um, we've done a couple of other we sold out another event in New York, and then we did an event last year in World where we did Unbuilt Disney, and then this year Jim's doing an event in November, right? Jim next month. Yeah, doing an event. Well, yeah. We're, we're what is it? Drew Taylor, the, the gentleman I do the fine tuning uh, podcast with. Uh, he and I are down there. I want to say the ninth through the twelfth, and <laughs> Disney won't let us call it this, but it's 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 Pixar in the park, and basically it's it's focusing on how uh, Pixar Animation Studios came in and and the various shows, attractions, all that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, very cool. It's a great idea. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, so one of the reasons we wanted to uh, to bring you gentlemen on is because we wanted to talk about some of the things that are coming, uh, and we all have thoughts and we hear rumors and stuff. So to just kind of ease into it, you know, we know uh, about Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary coming up. Uh, so so far, what do we know is definitely on the books as much as can definitely be on the books at Disney. Uh, coming up for the 50th anniversary. Yikes. Uh, Jimmy, you want to take this one? Okay. Um, well, you know, the, the, for starters, we know about the illuminations at Epcot. In fact, supposedly the, you know, it's kind of ironic that the um, the Magic Kingdom is the first theme park. But if you talk with the people who are prepping the 50th event, this is this event's really going to be centered around uh, Epcot. You know that the, the whole brand new Illumination show, and uh, you know that this is where you're supposed to end up every night. Um, as for over the kingdom, uh, there's been you know obviously we're going to see the Tron coaster come online a little early, uh, but it will be you know stressed as a 50th anniversary attraction. Uh, 
likewise, you know, I mean, it, it's it's kind of ironic that we're going to see, uh, you know, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge open late 2019. Oh, by the way, Len, are, are you hearing anything about Anaheim being delayed? I, I was getting some queries today about, uh, you know, that Anaheim may may miss, it, miss its May window. Uh, for next year. So the um, uh, if you look at the blackout dates, they're a good indicator of where, where they think Disneyland is. I think the blackout dates start June 21st okay. and end first week of September. Hmm. So I'm thinking June 21st, they'll probably do, what, a week, 10 days, two weeks mm-hmm. of cast member previews, media previews, Club 33 previews, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then, so like first week of July, official opening, that'll run for two months, and then um, the, they start. I think they start flooding the Lux pass holders in. And then, so, uh, so I think yeah, late June is still. If you look at the pass holder dates; it's still it's still then. Well, well, uh, we maybe we'll talk about this. Why don't we break a little news here while we're on the show with uh, you know the, the, the Disney by the numbers guys? Um, the you guys know that Bugs Land closed on back on September fourth at, at California Adventure, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. The September thirteenth issue of the Disneyland Resort line—that's the the in-house magazine for the twenty-three thousand people who work in Anaheim for the for the Walt Disney Company. Um, they, they did an article about the closure of the land, and, and here's a quote from the piece. So, uh, cast members from all over the resort came out to, during two cast-only events in late August to say an emotional goodbye the week before construction began to transform the area into an exciting new superhero-themed land scheduled to open in 2020. Um, that wow. That, that, I haven't heard that, ever heard that date before. That's it exactly. That that I've you know now, mind you, I'm trying to find out if you know this is phase one um, or we're talking full build out at this point. But that's, to my knowledge, the the first you know news to drop on a date of at least you know when the, a significant part of the superhero land opens at DCA. And again, remember they're they're fast tracking that out of a fear of you know what you know all of those crowds pouring into Disneyland proper. Uh, what that's going to do. So. <laughs> so why did it take seven years to build Pandora? No, 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 I'm just saying. All right, all right, all right. So that's uh, the 2020 date. It's the first I've heard of that, by the way. And, okay. and by the way, the, the joke that I made, uh, courtesy of Guy Selga, TM. Guy Selga. Go. All right, going back to John's original question. So what's coming to Walt Disney World for the 50th? We know the Magic Kingdom is getting Tron. Tron, right. Coaster. Tron, okay. uh, there's also... Uh, some talk about a brand new edition of Mickey's PhilharMagic uh, yep. with a, a Tangled. Uh, what else? I, I, I hear Moana has been coming into the mix, but coming out. And uh, In fact, the, the funniest thing is the people who are working on it are like, you know, can we not have Frozen in this, please? Right. You know. Um, yeah, the, one, the one thing I definitely heard that, that's consistent across every iteration of this is Tangled, which yep. is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um just uh, Jimmy, is uh, are they doing anything with the Magic Kingdom Theater, with the Main Street Theater? Is it that's um, just dead? That's, no, not, that's not for the fiftieth. No, that, that, it, my understanding is that you know after releasing the artwork, talking up the project, uh, they kicked the can. We're we're okay. five years out from seeing that built now, so uh, you know that that's. Uh, you know, 2023, 2024, if we're lucky. Oh, wow. Fair enough. So. Wow. All right, so Epcot's got Guardians of the Galaxy, Ratatouille, 
Right. Um, Illuminations, and then uh, uh, possibly, depending on what Mary Poppins does, something in the UK Pavilion. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, the, the, the weird part there is they'd like to do an attraction of size, but that would mean expanding into world, yeah, yeah, yeah. world show place. And to be honest, you know, uh, corporate functions, uh, you know, it, it's like, look, nothing personal, but we have, you know, corporate groups booked out in here for the next five years. It's like, right. find someplace else for Mary Poppins to, you know, to land her umbrella. Um, I, you know, in fact, it, it's speaking of which, uh, the whole Rafiki's Planet Watch going seasonal, um, Although the same reason, right? It was, yeah, that, that's exactly that, that. You know, there's so many corporate groups that have booked, you know, booked after-hour parties and that thing where they they bring in the animals and trot them around the table and you know all that. Um, uh, you know, so many of the groups that have done it previously love it and you know have booked it again. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know everyone would love the new Zootopia attraction to go in there and. Uh, in fact, when I was out for um, a Ralph breaks the internet. Uh, the long lead event uh, this past summer, I, I got talking with one of the gentlemen who's working on uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, who was also working on the Zootopia attraction, and he's like, "Yep, we've done the work. We just we're waiting for somebody to turn the key." So, um, so that's that's that. So, Animal uh, Kingdom getting anything else for the fiftieth? Well, you know the. The weird thing of it is, is that, you know, it, I've been hearing people talk about, for example, there is a third, uh, there's an expansion pad in Pandora, uh, yeah. you know, for a third attraction. <laughs> but, you know, uh, you know, the, the pushback there is that everyone wants to see how the next two Avatar films do before they commit to something. We should look so long. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> I, you know, just with Animal Kingdom, it, it's, you know, right now, it just seems to be the thing that they're going to bring into that park uh, for the 50th is the replacement for Rivers of Light. And, and frankly, yeah. nobody really wants to talk about that because they think, you know, that then means that, well, so the Rivers of Light was a disappointment. And, so, you know, no, no, it wasn't a disappointment. It, well, just, I, I think I'm willing to say right right now, Jim, it's not going to last the 20-some years that Illuminations did. No. In, in it was various not, iterations. Yeah, so yeah. I, I heard that they were looking at an expansion pad to the east of of Dinoland, expansion that way, but what would, for a coaster, but that, that the um, the excavator, but that is, that is that sort of like on pause now, or is it a little too ambitious for the... Well, I mean, you know, the, the tough part of it is, is that, um, and so, you know, I, I understand that, that they were having the meeting to pitch this. And then, you know, one of the senior Imagineers stood up and started to list all of the coasters that will be opening in the Orlando market. You know, if you think about, you know, we just saw in like the last three weeks that art that leaked out of that SeaWorld presentation, how they're getting a new coaster. Oh, yeah. yeah. We have the Hagrid's, you know, coaster coming in in 2019 at Islands Adventure. We have the Tron coaster, and it's like guys were kind of overdrawn at the coaster bank, yeah. uh, you know. And and let's not forget that you know somewhere out there, provided that this Benedict Cumberbatch Grinch does well, is the you know the Mount Crumpet family coaster that Universal has been talking about forever, which they view oddly enough is is their response to Seven Dwarfs Mind Frame. 
I'm um, probably the name of the mountain in um. That's it exactly. Yeah. Is it really? I didn't know that name. Yeah. I'm perfect. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. All right, and then you know, Studios is getting Galaxy's Edge, Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway. Yeah, you know, that, I mean, that's it. the thing. It's just sort of like, you know, oh boy, let's get another coaster because, you know, it's like a new one of those has come into our market, you know, in the past five years. Okay. So, and uh, World is also getting the gondolas. That's next year. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we'll see. Uh, oh, we'll have the DVC Resort over at um, Fort Orleans. We'll have the Riviera opening. We're also missing construction. Caribbean, yeah. oh. Caribbean Beach, and Caribbean Beach Riviera, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, uh, Coronado Springs. Coronado. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that should all be open by 2021. Yeah. I don't think the Star Wars Hotel is 20, 2021. Do you, Jim? Uh, I, you know, it's, it's. I don't know if you saw the latest rounds of of uh, drone photographs or, or flyover shots, but they're definitely doing site prep. I mean, they're, they're definitely. Yeah. Repositioning the uh, the original the, the MGM uh, entrance off of World Drive to be that for the hotel, but right. but yeah, uh, I, I guess you know the remember the site of this hotel was on a chunk of wetlands that uh, you know was directly across from um, you know sort of the backlot area of the studios and they, they've been doing the test footings and they've discovered this was originally designated as a wetlands. You know, um, right. they've got it. They a lot more work before they can put a hotel back there. Oh, Jim, yeah, that reminds me of the, um, also the new Marriott Hotel. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Um, uh, it, it sort of by the, swan, by the tennis courts of the Swan Dolphin, the Boutique yeah. 300 room. Mm-hmm. And it just blinked, and there was another thing. What was it? There's a hotel going on, uh, Buena Vista, up uh, Hotel Plaza. I want to say it's uh, like a 14-story. It's not Best Western, but it's... It's going to be like a, a up near the north part of that road, right off of five thirty-five. And there's the Marriott over on off of World Drive. Mm-hmm. Is it, not World Drive. What is it? But it's the one back back by uh, Bonnet Creek. Bonnet Creek. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. And you know they're anticipating with the new ramp coming off of four, uh, you know, Hotel Plaza will become you know that much more of a hotbed, especially for the fiftieth. So, yeah, I mean, and then let's not forget, you know, the obvious, it's also the 50th. You know, there'll be parades, there'll be shows in the park, you know, the usual crud and, you know, all sorts of merch that you're supposed to buy. I mean, if you if you look at the, um, you know, what Disneyland did for its 50th back in 2005, you can you, know, you can pretty much anticipate the, the Anaheim playbook is coming to Orlando. In fact, it's. Uh, you know, kind of interesting. I, I, I think Len and I talked about this previously. The how they're looking back at how they handled uh, when the Main Street Electrical Parade supposedly glowed away forever at, at Disneyland in '96. Evidently, that's exactly how they're planning on promoting and framing when Illumination shuts down. Uh, you know, next summer into the fall at Walt Disney World. You know, you know, giant wave of merch. Lots of big push about you have to come and see it one last time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've already supposedly built into the calendar, a, you know, an announced close date and then a, a the real close you know, four to six weeks later to be able to extend it when they, you know, oh, look at the record crowds. We keep this up. So <laughs> I had. No, uh, they. Go ahead, John. They would never do that. They would never. <laughs> 
manipulated the crowds. Well, you know, they, this is Disney World, the home of the, what is it, the, the 15 to 18 month year long celebration. Right. So, right. You know. I had sent uh, Disney this uh, idea that I thought for the 50th that uh, if you remember the year of a million dreams, they were, you know, if you got off a ride at a certain time and you were the fifth person, you got some, <sighs> some little prize. And single, I, the single greatest marketing thing Disney has ever done. Right. Your million dreams. So mm-hmm. I, I said, I sent them this email and I said, uh, listen, for the 50th, you should try something like what you did for your million dreams, except randomly, uh, you know, somebody comes to the register with merchandise and they would get 1971 pricing for just what they have in front of them. Right. Yeah. right? And then if you if you're if you're at a quick service, you would get 1971 pricing for your burger and fries. Uh and all I got back was, you know, the legal letter is, yeah, we don't take yeah. solicited ideas, but at least I put it out there in the universe. <laughs> it's it's not a bad idea. It takes a nickel. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, I I do want to point out that, that Having paid seventy one point four billion dollars for Fox, uh, you know, <laughs> I would anticipate you know that, that they bury the needle in the other direction. It's like whatever you pay today plus fifty dollars, you know, just sort of like, <laughs> hey, congratulations, it's our anniversary and the presents for us. So, you know. how, how much your tickets, sir? How much do you have? I know. Yes. Hey, welcome to, when you welcome to Walt Disney World. Please. Yes. Wallet at the front door. Yeah, when you realize it's too expensive, someone walks you out to the car. Just through your valuables are safe. Yeah. I mean, so uh, talking about that, Len. I mean, uh, between now and 2021, prices are going to make quite a leap, I would assume. <laughs> when, when's this show playing? When's this show going out? Uh, it'll probably be out next Monday. All right. So right before the ticket price increase. Yeah. Right. So we haven't we haven't seen yet what the ticket price increases are going to be. My guess, and it's based on absolutely nothing, mm-hmm. is uh, this is going to be a, a, a fairly substantial price increase, 10 to 10, maybe 10% on average, which is double digits. Yeah. Um, there's, there's going to be another one in February. Wow. Wow. Right? Because that's this, this is the rolling out. But here's, the, here's something interesting, and, and somebody on my team mentioned this today. If Disney does, if Disney, you know, Disney is now, since they're going to a seasonal calendar, um, and they're going to provide, you know, 12 or 15 months in advance um, for the, the prices, right? So they're going to have to publish the days, uh, you know, 12 or 15 months in advance. Right. As they do that, though, it's their opportunity to change the prices every time they roll on a new series of dates. So, you know, like now once or twice a year, mm-hmm. you get these huge headlines that say, you know, Disney raises prices, you know, $5 or whatever. Now it's just going to be an ongoing thing. It won't be news anymore. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, It'll just brilliant. happen. Yeah. There won't be these, these negative headlines. Yeah. And the other thing they can do, obviously, is that they can, they can manipulate the, uh, the calendar, right? So remember the first year that it rolled out, there were more peak days than, uh, than value days? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it was like, you know, it, it was one of those like Lake Wobegon things where every, every kid is above average. Um, <laughs> and this was, and then they just sort of dialed it back for the second year, but, um, but it, it means we've seen how many of those that they're, you know, that they're going to have. Like, yeah. like is, is it going to be, you know, two-thirds regular days and then one-third sort of-ish peak in value? Is it going to be, you know, anyway, they can manipulate things a lot, uh, a lot. And I think that's part of the new 
ticket structure too. Yeah, I would have thought twelve to fifteen months would have been too long for them because I, I would think that they would want to change those prices a little bit more frequently based on crowds. Uh, yeah, and it may be nine months. Yeah, but um, but it has to be a minimum of six, right? Because right. six is when you book your fast passes, right. and they don't want people calling up like the day before the six month window saying, "When are you going to release ticket prices tonight?" Right. So we can buy our tickets. Yeah, so they don't want that. So it'll be somewhere between you know, six months and I think a year. If they go more than a year, I'd be surprised. Right. Um, because uh, to your point, they won't be able to raise prices as much. Yeah. But they, they could still raise prices at any time. They could say that our current pricing is this. Yeah. Right. Our current pricing for tickets that you buy in December 2019 is you know $129 a, a day. But that doesn't mean they can't change it later on. Right. Right. All right. All right. So we've talked about uh, attractions. We've talked about hotels. Are you guys hearing any rumble? Oh, I'm sorry. We've also talked oh, about sorry. price increases. Jim, the, other, the other thing that's coming uh, for uh, uh, is the Mission Space Restaurant. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank, yeah. Thank you for leaving me there, John. Hey, welcome. Okay. Uh, so the other thing I wanted to ask is you guys heard anything about any new uh, entertainment shows, mainly parades? Because we're kind of light in the parade department here. Well, well, you know, I mean, there's been continual chatter of a East Coast version of Paint the Night, the uh, the, the parade that debuted for uh, Disneyland's 60th. Uh, and, you know, I, I can, you know, quite easily see that coming out, uh, you know, to Orlando. Um, you know, but to be honest, you know, when it comes to the entertainment stuff, especially these days, um, it's, I don't know, you know, I, I was having a conversation with, uh, a, you know, a veteran Disneyland employee recently, and he was talking about how he got lucky enough to pitch a parade uh, at, at the parks. And, you know, and he, he put together this wonderful Disney sea-themed parade where, you know, there was, you know, you had Lilo and Stitch surfing and, you know, uh, you know, the, the squid from Pony Thousand Leagues, Nautilus. And, and you know, the, the manager sat there very attentively and, and, you know, said, okay, this is good. All right. And then they proceeded to walk up to the whiteboard and say, okay. And, uh, and this will give you some idea of when this parade was pitched. They wrote on the board, Pirates of the Caribbean, High School Musical, um, and what were the two? Oh, Frozen. And I forget the other property, but it was like, look, if you don't have in your parade one of these three or four elements that the company is pushing now, uh, we walk, you know, I can guarantee you when it goes up to the board, you know, we're looking for money to build this thing, they won't get behind it. I get a right now, um, you know, what we're going to see in the parks is kind of conditional on, you know, say, for example, how Mary Poppins Return does, how Frozen 2 does next November, uh, you know, how, you know, or, you know, for that matter, how Toy Story 4 does next June. I mean, you know, there's, you know, uh, this is how the Walt Disney Company works right now. Uh, you know, it's really, you know, for example, not a coincidence that, you know, uh, we saw the Guardians attraction greenlit, uh, you know, for Epcot the summer that Guardians Volume 2 came out and did, you know, such tremendous business. So, uh, I, I, you know, I, I hate to be crude here, guys, but it kind of depends on how films do over the next two years as to what we'll see for entertainment for the parks for the 50th. Wow. Yeah. 
I really do miss a nighttime show at the Magic Kingdom. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> what do you think of uh, Happily Ever After? Uh, I find the fireworks fall a little bit short of the wow factor. Uh, uh, I find that the projection is great. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that's the best part. I, I'm surprised it's not you know virtual reality or 3D glasses by now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, but the fireworks, I, I seem to think, are not as wow as Wishes was. And it's funny because there are twice as many shells. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right. Oh. I think they were going for quantity over a little bit over quality. But I will say these new shells are pretty amazing the way they change colors yeah. mm-hmm. in the sky. So well, I think when Len and I first talked about Happily Ever After, I think that, that to be honest – if if, you, if there is a problem with this show, it's like often you just don't know where to look because, mm. you know, between the projections and the castle, you know, I, I find I'm more often zeroing in on what's going on in the castle as opposed to what's going on over the castle. So, right. you know, you almost look up and at the fireworks is kind of an afterthought. Um, you know, I just I, I, I you know, I, it, I have since circled back on. Uh, you know, happily ever after, and actually, you know, consciously pick an angle where you can't see the castle quite as well, and and watch the fireworks. And Len's right. I mean, there are some, you know, twice as many shells and some really amazing effects that they do. But if you're you're watching it dead center, often as not, your eye just doesn't know where to look. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've uh, I've been caught looking at one or the other, and not both mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. Um. So, Len, uh, I thought this question would be good for you because, you know, what kind of uh, crowds can we expect uh, for the 50th and even the Star Wars opening? Uh, I think there's going to be a line to Tampa. So, so for the fifth, so for Star Wars, yeah. uh, Jim's headed down in November. I'm headed down in November. We're actually going to get in line <laughs> in, in November for the December of 2019 opening. I, 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 I joke only a little bit. I mean, I... I think I think we can all we're all willing to bet right now um, that we will see lines similar to what we saw at Universal when Harry Potter opened. So ten hours to get into the park, wow. um, six hours to ride each ride. I'm fully anticipating that. Um, the, the 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 big question isn't how long the lines are going to be because they're going to be potentially the longest lines we've ever seen in Walt Disney World for anything. Yeah. Um, the question is, is how Disney is going to manage access, mm. you know, into the land because they're not. It's not going to be. They're not just going to throw open the doors and let people in. That that that's just a a, a bad thing waiting to happen. Um, the things that Jim and I talked about, you know, um, we, we I think we, we all agree there's going to be one way into the land and one way out. Right. So you might go in through the baseline tap house down Grand Avenue. You might exit through Toy Story Land, uh, or the opposite, right? right. Um, but I think it's going to be that way. Uh, and the same thing in Disneyland, right? You're going to go in through the sort of like the Frontierland, Fantasyland area. You're going to go out through Critter Country. I think that's one way that they're going to to manage crowds. But the second thing is, is like, um, you know, are they going to let you into the land only if you have a dining reservation or fast pass reservation? Mm, right. right. So will you need will you need something to get in or Will there be like a timed ticket return, like the uh, like Universal did with Diagon Alley when it opened? Like, what 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 scheme were they going to use to to moderate the crowds? The third thing they could do, um, and I, I still haven't, I'm still not saying no to this idea. 
they could simply say that you know for the first two months Star Wars Land or Galaxy's Edge is open, it's another hundred dollar add-on. Basically, make it an in-park, um, in-park hard ticket event while the park, the rest of the park is open. Wow, it's going to cost you another hundred or two hundred dollars to get in. Wow, and that could moderate crowds as well. Yeah, that but, would certainly but, uh, scare people off. <laughs> well, uh, but 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 an extra hundred dollars a ticket, people would pay it. Yeah. No, I, I have no doubt right now. Between between the fast passes, people with fast passes, the people with dining reservations. I mean, right? They're getting they're getting seventy dollars right now for three rides in the Magic Kingdom for extra Magic mornings. Yeah, yeah. Plus breakfast. Right. So you people wouldn't give you a hundred dollars to use the supposedly you know, the, the the two best rides that Disney's ever built. I I think a hundred dollars is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a friend down here who believes that they should raise like the daily ticket to like five hundred dollars, just to thin well, out the herd. <laughs> I actually, I so, uh, so uh, Laurel, uh, the love of my life and my partner, um, says that she would gladly pay twice as much to see half as many people in the park. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but here's the uh, here's the the uh, the the thing that I'm uh, I'm sort of like mulling over. They. They could do that hard ticket event, right? There's nothing that says that they, they couldn't. When, but when they when Disney announced the this you know this new ticket pricing thing, I specifically asked Disney like, why didn't you go to per price per per park per day pricing, mm. right? Because you would think if you want to if you're really trying to moderate the crowds, yeah. right? If the if the whole purpose of this complicated ticket thing, if the whole purpose of it is to balance out crowds. Right. Why not just charge more for the studios in December yeah. of 2019? Right. Why not jack up the price to 150 dollars a day? Right. Yeah. And and they didn't. And and I think it, it was one of two things. Either they that they they didn't want to make that leap yet, right? Mm -hmm. Where where people had to say, "I'm going to visit this park on this day." Maybe they thought maybe they thought that was just too much to to ask people to specify what park they're going to be on which day, or they thought it was just too complicated from a systems perspective. Right. But I was like, if you if you really wanna if you really wanna moderate crowds, you would you would increase the prices on days where parks are de debuting new things, mm. right? And that that is the that's the ultimate supply and demand. But then the other the other thing that I thought of, I think Jim, you were the one that may have said this. Disney already knows six months in advance which park you're gonna visit, or sorry, two months in advance because you're making fast pass reservations. Yeah. So they kind of already know you're going to be there anyway. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, what was I thinking? Uh, oh, the After Dark event that they do, you know, at the Magic yeah. Kingdom. I I love that event. I've been several times. <laughs> Me too. And I swear if they did that once a month in each of the park, I would have no reason for an annual pass. I would gladly give up my annual pass and just do uh, – that once a month in each. They're fantastic, park. aren't they? Yeah. I mean, the food is good. There's yeah. not that many people there. Nope. Everyone seems happy to be there, even the cast members. Yeah. Yeah. There's really nothing wrong with it. There's no pushing, they, uh, there's no shoving. There's no backpacks slapping you in the back of the head. It's, no, it's, it's not hot. hot. Yeah. It's yeah. Not hot. Yeah. yeah. I think it's lovely. Yeah. My um, I was telling Jim, my uh, my younger sister did uh, morning. Actually, morning at the Magic Kingdom last weekend, two weekends ago. Okay. Um. And she got stuck on the monorail at, uh, between the contemporary and the Magic Kingdom. So she actually got there 15 minutes late. It was really upset. But by the time she uh, – so she got there like at 8 o'clock or 8.10 or whatever 
um, and when it was supposed to start at 7.45. But by like, you know, quarter to nine, she had done every ride a couple of times with her with her daughter. We had been over to Pinocchio's, eating as much food as they wanted to eat. And then the cast members walked her over to It's a Small World and said, you know, stand here because the ride's about to open. The first one's on. And so even though she had 50 minutes in in the land and paid $70 for it, she called me like at 930 and said, this is the best thing I've ever bought in Walt Disney World. And was just amazed by it. And uh, so she's going to uh, the studio's version this weekend. Oh, wow. Wow. That's great. Cool. Yeah, go into the Toy Story. Yeah, but the, uh, the Toy Story one should have more food. But the, uh, it's one of those things where, um, you know, uh, for the Magic Kingdom, they're going to double the number of attractions um, uh, coming up in December and only adding $10 to the price. And it, it, it's one of those things where, like, I think the after hours thing, they finally hit on an event where we all agree that's an appropriate price for the amount of entertainment that you get. But if you think about that, they could run a, a an extra magic morning, a regular park day, and then an after hours event at night, and basically sell the park three times in a day. And there are a few days this year where that happens. Yeah. Where they sell the same park three times. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I never that's thought of it like amazing. that. And and I could and I could see paying for each of those things. Like I can rationalize in my head saying you know, do two of those three things. Right. Right. Well, uh, now remember though that the where this this gets interesting and and is um, the Star Wars Hotel. You know that, that oh, yeah. you know once that opens, you have a you know you know how uh, you know people have always talked about you know for example there are there you know when it comes to Disney events there are those with that that huge sense of false entitlement. And there were DVC members who actually have, you know, bought, you know, points and that sort of thing. And that's real entitlement. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, think about what it's going to be like when you have that hotel open. And, you know, there, that's a hotel full of people who, what do you mean I have to pay for, you know, Magic Mornings? I'm in the hotel. I'm supposed to be able to go over there and have special interactive missions, uh, you know, the, these people are going to be, you know, wandering through the marketplace and, you know, out by the ruins and that sort of thing with, with their own itineraries that have been created as part of their, you know, two and three day stays at the hotel. Um, that's, you know, for me, that's where this gets fascinating because when you factor in the day guests, the people who are staying at the resort and, you know, feel like they should have Magic Morning and the people staying at the, you know, the Star Wars Hotel where they absolutely feel like they should be able to get in there early every single day they're staying in the hotel. I mean, you know, we're in kind of, you know, terra incognito when it comes to the impact this, this just this 14-acre land is going to have on the resort. Yeah, yeah. Jim, how many rooms do you think the, that this hotel will have? I, I'm hearing like three to 400. Well, as I've had it explained to me, that the at, at phase one will be 400 rooms. Okay. But the if you you can look at the site, there are actually room for two, 300 room wings. And you know, at full build, at, and and this is the thing I have to caution: at absolutely full build out, it'll be a thousand rooms and and no more. Um, on but how are they going to manage the gameplay for a thousand rooms? Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. All right, and and one of the things that that you know uh, I, I've been told repeatedly by the Galaxy's Edge team is that you can't see it when you look at the land as it's under construction now, but there is in fact 
uh, you know, there's room for a third expansion pad. So, you know, there'll be another attraction coming that will help mitigate the crowds. Um, there's also evidently um, a plan whereby they could, at least in Orlando, uh, bump out into the old Pixar Place area. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've seen right now between, you know, the, the way people go into uh, Toy Story Midway Maniac, and, you know, come in and go out facing into the land. Right. The the old boulevard section itself is still available. Um, you know, the, the problem is that the, right now there's a service road that runs between or, you know, around, um, you know, where the old end of the, the street was and, uh, you know, where the construction for Galaxy's Edge is, is located right now. But it's a service road. You, you could yeah. quite easily, well, it's Florida. I, you, you can dig down. You just have to have adequate drainage. So, so, uh, so, um, all right. So, I know that Pixar Place is gonna, uh, Disney announced a couple of weeks ago that it's going to be Metroville right. from mm-hmm. Incredibles two for, but that's not any actual construction. That's basically character greetings and props and stuff like that. Or pretty much on the facades. Okay, so they can they can still do any kind of construction that they wanted there. Mm-hmm. All right, fair um, enough. Interesting though. I don't know if you saw what they just did for Hong Kong though. Um, they, they've included, included a couple of oversized versions of Sid's toys, the, the sort of monster mutant toys <laughs> for, uh, Halloween over there. And evidently on the heels of the Christmas holiday lighting package that debuts, uh, oddly enough next month, November 8th, uh, supposedly for, um, Maybe not 2019, because obviously, you know, Disney doesn't necessarily need another reason for people to, to crowd into, uh, you know, that, that park at 2019. But uh, 2020 or 2021, we'll, we'll see special Toy Story Halloween-themed decorations going in there. Oh, nice. Yep. I like that. Huh. Yeah. That's, uh, that's fascinating. So, let me go back. You said something about a third pad site in star wars uh they know that star wars is going to be successful what's the thought process behind well we've got the space available but let's just go ahead and build you know two attractions oh my god don't don't get me started dude (laughs) Um, i mean mean, it's it's all right let's start with the obvious one and now i think it was on a recent show we were just talking about the fact that what when Fantasy, New Fantasyland opened uh, in, in 2012, that was how many acres? Uh, 11, 14, 14, something like that. Okay. So, and that then allowed them to put another 5,000 people into the 5,000 people, yeah. Okay. Um, that's what's kind of intriguing about Galaxy's Edge. Like, so, this is 14 acres, right? And... The is that you're thinking as well that you know another five seven how many? Uh, so the uh, I think the Star Wars uh, Galaxy Edge are acres, right? Mm, I think we may we may have got twelve. I think New Fantasyland was eleven. I think this one's fourteen. Um, but uh, you know, it just it, it, there's a lot. Um, you know, for example, Oga's Cantina. 
you know, the, 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 the thing they've been talking about where you can finally go into, you know, it, it, especially Disneyland, they're kind of losing their minds over the notion of, oh, my God, you can get alcohol in a, inside of Disneyland for the first time ever. And, you know, the people that have got are like, wow, geez, that's a oh, oh, that's a deal breaker. I'd never go to a park that serves alcohol. <laughs> uh, but, um yeah, they, they, they're now kind of, you know, trying to figure out, you know, are, are with August Cantina, are we going to have Adventures Club 2, <laughs> you know, where people go in and nurse a beverage for just hours? Sit there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, how do you churn? You know, are, you know, are they, how are we going to get people out of these things and, and get them out to the marketplace to shop or, you know, go oh, for that? Oh, yeah, because right, they, uh, they said that there's going to be a band there. What if you just sit through the entire set? Yeah. Wow. So, uh, oh, by the way, Jim, did you see that um, uh, on the solo DVD um, yes. the that they, they confirmed some of the details that we had said literally like two years ago <laughs> about it, that um, you're smuggling. If you're if you lose your cargo, bounty hunters will know about it. Did you see all that? Yeah. And it just and, and it, you know, that's the, the funny part of it, because it evidently. Um, I, I, I don't know if you guys uh, uh, know about, for example, what they were originally planning on doing with uh, the, what is it, the, the Disney princesses meet and greet at the Magic Kingdom. Um, there was originally supposed to be this component where it was keying off of your magic band, and up in the corner of the room there was going to be this sort of discreet lit from behind um, a, a monitor that, like a teleprompter that's it exactly so it was like Lynn here you are you come down from New York and you know how is your you know how, how is Laurel and you know just you know it, it, Cinderella was going to know a whole lot about you wow. uh, you know and I, eventually I guess they play tested it and the reaction was that was creepy <laughs> You know, it's just sort of like, you know, it's just Cinderella looking in my bedroom, don't get a window at night, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. So, um, sort of like jilted, jilted uh, ex-wife, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, so, but evidently the thing with the Millennium Falcon attraction, you know, the, the whole notion is that uh, this ride is going to know because of uh, proximity technology, when you, you know, if you're on the Millennium Falcon and you successfully complete your mission and you go into August Cantina, the bartender, you know, will supposedly discreetly, you know, be prompted guy third seat on the right here. Hey, you did really well. This drink's on the house and there's a few credits in your account. Uh, conversely, if you drop the cargo, the cast member who plays Hondo is supposed to be able to zero in on you. Hmm. Using a tablet, you know, to find out if you're in there with your family at a table, you know, having lunch, you know, suddenly there'll be a guy, you know, a bounty hunter looming over the table and you lost me my cargo. Um, I, you know, uh, there's a lot of stuff they're proposing doing in Galaxy Z that frankly... Orlando is perfectly happy to let Anaheim do it the first time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Let that first round of lawsuits break out, and then we'll decide what we do in Orlando. So, yeah. Well, I'm still waiting for It's a Small World to wish me a happy birthday, because that's what I was promised with the Magic Band. So, you know, if they can pull that trick off, that would be awesome. 
Yeah, Jim, I, I forgot to, this is a great point. Whatever happened to scene ones, Jim? <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Remember when scene ones yeah. were a thing, Jim? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I just, I don't know what you to tell you there. There were, you know, there was a whole revenue stream. Oh, that my God. Just, I mean, for example, you, 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 know, you were talking about Small World, wishing you a you know, happy birthday, that sort of thing. You know, there would, uh, you know, you were supposed to be able, before you left home, to be able to design your own Mary Blair Esh, you know, uh, small world figure that would then appear on a flat screen in the attraction uh, that you were then going to be allowed through, uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a Disney sponsored printing service to, you know, you were going to get the, be able to get the coffee mug, the t shirt, the, you yeah. know, the, the, the mouse pad, you know. Um, right, so let's, you let's know, go back, though. Let's go back for, for the listeners, though, who, who don't know to, or haven't heard the term scene one. Yeah. So, uh, so back when Disney first announced, you know, my Disney experience, Fast Fast Plus, and, and the Metric Pants, the idea was that they were going to invest millions of dollars in making each attraction or all the big attractions somewhat. Right. customizable and personalized to you. So like Jimmy and Jim pointed out, you know, one idea was that you'd be able to see your own custom doll and it's a small world. But we 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 thought that like remember when they redid the the queue for Peter Pan? That was supposed to be a scene one as well. There's supposed to be customization in there, you know, for magic bands. And it this they were supposed they were gonna do this throughout the entire park. Like Rock and Roller Coaster was gonna get stuff and you know, oh, yeah. where it was linked to your magic band and you could either do stuff at home or you could, um, when you got home, you know, you could customize, you know, parts of the ride experience or something that you did on the ride would be available for a video. There's just this massive amount of investment that they were going to put into linking your experience on the ride to, uh, you know, starting at the beginning of the ride to your magic band. And they were called, you know, the sort of like the overarching project was like scene ones. Right. And and then it never happened. <laughs> and then I think was it Shanghai? What what killed it, Jim? Well, I mean, I, I, to be honest, you know, the the irony is what killed it was sort of the rise of the iPhone. You know, it, yeah, in fact, you know, yeah. it, you know, because you know, you know, we're all no matter you know, you, you can customize the most amazing. You know, scene one, but people are still, you know, okay, you know, where are the kids? All right, they're, they're in Frontierland right now. Okay, as soon as we finish the ride, this ride will hook up with them, and let me check my email while I'm making my way through this account. And this is this has become a, a really big deal to the Imagineers trying to figure out how to get us out of our phones and look up at these multi-million dollar environments. Um, and, you know, and I, I guess the, the real irony is that you know, now they're in this sort of, if you can't beat them, join them space. So, you know, they're trying to get us to game, you know, while oh, we're standing the Disney, yeah. Disney plays. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you're going to be on your phone, at least be on, at least be on our app in your phone. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I think it kind of speaks volumes about what's going on with scene ones is one of the very first places they're encouraging you to game is in the queue at Peter Pan. So, you know, it's just sort of like, yeah, yeah, I hope you're enjoying this wonderful, you know, rich environment that we designed that you're not at. But hey, check out your phone. We got a game going on. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, there's two questions, and then we'll kind of wrap up. So, these revolve, uh, revolve around the Skyliner. Uh, one is we're hearing AC or no AC, it's both rumors going around. Uh, and then somebody was saying that they have gondolas in 
gondola type things in Hong Kong and that theirs don't have AC. And the other question was around International Gateway. They're building that huge terminal there. And there's really, <laughs> I was there the other day, only one turnstile was open. And I was like, well, if there's people pouring off this uh, Skyliner, I don't know if one turnstile <laughs> would be enough. <laughs> so I, I actually looked at this when I was in Epcot. And if you notice, they've actually added entrance tap styles to the exits now. Yes. Yeah. Um, to make it to make it wider. So uh, it, at least someone from the Disney uh, uh, engineering group is listening to the show. Thank you very much for, for doing that. Um, but I have serious concerns. Like, is the International Gateway big enough for that many people to go in and out? Right. I, 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 I'm not convinced it is. I mean, maybe if you open up, like, all of it, you did some of the, the fencing and some of the uh, planting, mm-hmm. some of the, the shrubs, maybe, but... Man, and the, the other thing is, like, let, let's suppose, hypothetically, there's, um, you know, a delay in the gondolas. Where, are you gonna, where in that space behind the International Gateway are you going to put a couple thousand people that are waiting for that thing? Yeah, right. Where are you going to put them? Yeah, especially when well, park empties and, you know, there's food and wine and party for the senses. I, yeah, 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 and all the new rides yeah. that are coming, yeah. right? And we just saw the new illuminations, and now everyone's leaving. Right. Right. Yeah, okay. well, where are going to stand? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, that, that actually, if you talk with the the guys who work in logistics, they, I, I, they're terrified. All right, you know, think about it. You have to the left of International Gateway, you have the brand new Ratatouille ride. To the right, we have this, you know, rumored but evidently soon to be greenlit. Mary Poppins Returns attraction. Uh, at the very least, we're going to have a character meet and greet there. We're going to have a brand new nighttime show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to have a transportation system that allows people who spent the day at, you know, over at, you know, Disney and Hollywood Studios, checking out Star Wars Land and yeah. Toy Story yeah. Land. The studios, they yeah. took the Skyway over to Epcot. Now what? Yeah, because yeah, they, they're going to grab dinner and they're going to watch the brand new Illuminations, and they have to get back to their car. Um, I, you know, I, I've that said when you, you press it to folks who are working on the Skyliner project, it's like, look, it's uh, it's a modular system, you know, and yes, uh, you know, there might at some point be you know a, a point where if we're say loading somebody who's in a wheelchair or an electric car or that sort of things might slow down a little bit. But, you know, this system is built to handle large crowds and dispatching vehicles. Uh, what were we hearing, Len? You know, every 30, 30, 35 seconds, something like it's, that? It's pretty quick. It's, it's many thousands yeah. of people an hour, and the, and the cars move at 17 miles an hour. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, Which is pretty fast. Yeah. Now, uh, to get to your question about AC, <laughs> um, we, we just talked about this in, in a recent show. It turns out in the gondola industry, if you, you put uh, you know, on a, your plans AC in small, you know, uh, you know, in lowercase, that means air circulation. If you put it in capital AC, that means air conditioning. And, you know, initially when I was fed the information and said, hey, it's going to be AC, nobody differentiated that for me. So I was, I, you know, if, if people were hearing that, you know, these things are going to have air conditioning, I apologize. It, it's air circulation. So right. the very thing that Len just mentioned, when these things are whipping through the air at 16, 17 miles an hour, 
Uh, even in 90-degree humid Orlando heat, you know, uh, weather, it's, it's, it, it, it's still a nice breeze. And, you know, again, this is not a, a three-hour tour. You are, each leg of this, you're, you're up in the air maybe three minutes, maybe four. You know, so. You know, uh, here's the thing. I mean, number one, it's, uh, I, I don't know how big those, how, how those, how big those holes in the plexiglass have to be to let air in, but not water from rain. But the other, the other thing is, is it's the the breeze has to be relative to the airflow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're going 16 miles an hour and there's no wind, it'll feel like the air is going towards you at 16 miles an hour. But if you're going the same direction as the breeze, mm-hmm. and the breeze is going 16 miles an hour, you're not going to feel anything because you and the air are moving at the same speed. Right. That is an interesting point. <laughs> so it's why they make airplanes take off into the wind because it's relative airspeed that's important, not not ground speed. And that's why people love you because you bring actual <laughs> math. You just got math all up in here. That's pretty good. So yeah, it's airspeed, not ground speed. That's important. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so there's 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 I, no. I, I, still, I still can't believe that there's not gonna be air conditioning. This. I, 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 I can't I, either. I and somebody pointed this out. It's like the first time that you're stuck in in a cabin with twelve people and it stops, even if it stops yes. for a minute or two. You know, and it's 98 degrees outside, and there's no breeze. Yeah. The first time that happens, the YouTube videos will, uh, you know, will 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 be will be out there. And I just can't, I can't imagine it. Where's the emergency call button for help then? <laughs> yeah, where's the emergency ladder? Where's yeah. my parachute? Right. That's. Where's it get me off this button? <laughs> uh, tell everybody where they can find you guys on the internet. I'm, you both have your own sites and. And the podcast and all that, Jim. Um, jeez. Uh, well, you know that there's at the usual places. Uh, you know, Jim Hill Media, and uh, of course, I have the the podcast I do with Len, the the Disney Dish, and we've recently been expanding out. So we have what is it? Fine tuning with Drew Taylor. We have Universal Joint uh, with Dustin Fuse. I have looking at Lucasfilm with uh, Dan Zahir, and I know I'm missing one here. Um, the, uh, the Marvel one, the Marvelous podcast. Marvel, yes! Aaron? Oh, God, now Aaron's going to kill me. All right, yeah, it, it's the, the gentleman who... Just Aaron, just wonderful remember who is there for you. Go ahead. That's, that's right, Aaron, you know, Aaron Adams, who does such a wonderful job of editing our podcast. Uh, but yeah, that, that, and, but this all spun off from what Len and I have been doing, so... Right. Uh, I, they're all and, great. I listened to them. I listened to Disney a little bit more, but uh, they were all they were all a good listen. So, uh, so really, we have to say thank you guys for coming on because uh, we don't always get to talk all this kind of shop about Disney uh, at this much a uh, level of detail. So it's always okay. It's fun uh, and but, entertaining. But do you remember that you know that that Len's got the uh, unofficial guide uh, yes. and the lines app? Is that correct, Len? Or? Oh yeah, uh, I think you're, uh, you, you covered it, Jim. But yeah, uh, you can find me lenatoringplans uh, or at lentest on Twitter or our show DisneyDish.bandcamp.com. Thank you for the Jim. Yeah, yeah, we get to get, we get to talk shop. It's nice. It's nice to come on the show and not have to host. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or edit. It's good. Yeah, or edit. Thank God, we're But you know, but, but and he earns every penny we pay him. Here yep. we go. Great. 
All right, guys. Uh, so thanks for listening. And uh, as we'd like to say around here, we'll uh, see you in the parks. The Disney Parks Podcast is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. All Disney parks, attractions, lands, shows, event names, etc. are registered trademarks of the Walt Disney Company. Like a boat of the blue Fate steps in and sees